0: Thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Well, Pastor Dave said everything but uh, go see Cal. I don't know if you guys remember Cal Worthington, but I left my, my dog Spot home today. So uh, anyway, some of you are too young to remember that. It's good to be here with you. Beautiful church, beautiful vicinity. As Pastor uh, David said, that uh, I came here about three years ago And uh, I go, we have 460 churches in our network of churches, 1,500 ministers, and I drive about 800 to 1,000 miles a week connecting with them. And visiting a different church every Sunday, and many times I'm sitting back toward the back, and I have a 70-point assessment I go through, and that's what I did with you guys about three years ago. Sat right up there in the balcony, and uh, but it's good to be here today to be able to share God's Word with you. I bring greetings from our superintendent, Brett Allen, and uh, we're just excited about what God is doing here in Red Bluff and how you're a part of the the big movement that God is doing in NorCal and Nevada, many people stepping into a relationship with Christ for the first time, even this summer. Many, many that are being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and there's a move of God that's going across our district, and uh, we're just excited about what God is doing, and it's its uh, not about us being out in front, it's about God being out in front, Amen? I saw a, a picture uh, years ago and it had, a, it had a Ford LTD that was wrapped around a telephone pole and on the back it had a sticker that said, God is my co-pilot. I think we need to have God be our pilot instead of our co-pilot. How many are with me? (laughs) That's probably a better concept. This morning I'm going to be sharing out of Matthew. And if you want to open up your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 8 today. And even as we've come here together, it's exciting to know that God is still on the move, that there are positive things that have happened. You know, we like it when things are going good in our life. Are you with me? somebody in Illinois today who's $1.3 billion richer has smiling this morning because something good has happened in their life. But you know what? It's, uh, it feels good when, when everybody's feeling good in the house, when the car's running good, when the bills are being paid, when there's money in the bank, where everything seems to be going and we're living the dream. In fact, my wife and I were watching HGTV the other day. I guess that's what you do when you get older. You watch HGTV. And there was a a show on uh, called My Lottery Dream Home. Anybody ever seen that? very flamboyant guy that is uh, directing that, and what it is is people that have won the lottery, he takes them out and helps them to find their dream house. And it's very interesting because those that have won millions and millions and millions of dollars typically are more conservative. They're not out there buying a $20 million home, they're out there buying something that's, you know, one or two million, basically moving to San Jose. And uh, in a little ranch style home that's a thousand square foot, three bedroom, one bath. But, um, and other ones who win in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, they spend it all. It's like, man, we're gonna, we got this money, we're gonna spend it all. In fact, actually, uh, uh, they're doing whatever they can because they have a dream, just like all of us have, inside of our minds of what perfect living is all about. Now, for some of you, it's living in Red Bluff. Obviously, you've been here for a while. Uh, my wife and I moved here seven years ago from Arizona. And uh, when we moved into the Sacramento area and I started with the district office, my wife says, I don't want to be a landlubber. I don't want to be in flat lands. Take me to the trees. So we own two and a half acres up above Auburn, California. In fact, I'm actually closer time-wise to get to Truckee than I am to the district office. And let me say thank you, Jesus, for that. And uh, but but that's what we've always dreamed of. And it's beautiful up there. And we got two of our kids and our granddaughter. Uh, those of you that have grandkids a long ways away, man, I can't feel your pain because my daughter and granddaughter live ten feet away from my house in the place that I built for them. But uh, but it's living the dream. And you know, we look in this portion of scripture in Matthew chapter eight, and we find the disciples living the dream in their own mind about what is the ideal thing that has taken place. We're living that, uh, we're checking this morning uh, through the eyes of Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 through 27, and looking at living the dream from their perspective. In the scriptures, we find the disciples basking in the spotlight. Jesus, on the other hand, was bordering on exhaustion. Jesus had shared a long message to thousands of people. He had left the mountainside and ministered and healed all the way to Peter's house. You know, many times when we think about this Sermon on the Mount, we think about Jesus being in front of a big crowd. But really, let's wrap our head around this. They didn't have sound systems. Jesus really was probably meandering through the crowd for hours. And there were groups of people. Some of them were family. Some of them were were neighbors. Some of them had peers together. And there were clusters of these people all across the mountainside. And Jesus is walking through this whole crowd. And as God spoke to his heart, he is ministering to them, not only physically. And I believe there's a lot of people that probably were healed physically on that day. But there was emotional and there was spiritual healing as Jesus flowed with the Spirit into everybody that he came in contact with. If you will talk to a minister uh, that that is diligent about uh, being able to minister on a Sunday morning, you will find that they give everything that they have and there's a reason why Pastor David is tired after Sunday morning service. It is because he is just pouring out of his, heart, and as you soak it in, there is more pouring that take place until finally on Sunday afternoon, Pastor David, my bet is he's taking a nap like I used to for 40 years. But Jesus was exactly in that place because it was more than a half hour message. It was literally probably seven, eight, 10 hours that Jesus had been meandering through the crowd, ministering to everybody that he came in contact with, and he was tuckered out. He was ready for a rest. His disciples, on the other hand, were feeling like they were living the dream because they had a ticket to the backstage Jesus show. And everywhere that Jesus went, I can imagine Jesus ministering to the crowds and and the disciples. If they had cell phones back, they were probably going to be photobombing them and making sure that everybody saw them because they lost perspective of really the ministry that Jesus was trying to do. And it's important for us that when we look at living the dream, that we keep things in the perspective of really what God wants us to do and what God has created each and every one of us to do. Let's check out this story as it unfolds in the book of Matthew. First of all, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18... It says, when Jesus saw that a curious crowd was growing by the minute, he told his disciples to get him out of there to the other side of the lake. Now, if you're trying to find those exact words in your King James Version, this is another version. You're not going to find it there. But that is another translation of this portion of Scripture. You know what? Some people just want to be where life is grand. We always run into people that are looking for the easy way, they're looking for shortcuts, they're looking for a way that makes them comfortable. If there is a, if there is a, a different way to do things that they think is going to be better, they're going to do that. I was uh, Last Sunday morning, I was actually in Healdsburg, California, and as I'm driving on the way there, traffic began to stack up, and there were literally people passing traffic on the shoulder of the road and just trying to get ahead of everybody. And you know what? It was probably about 10 minutes difference by the time they got there and I got there. But it was, it's interesting, this world and this culture that we live in. You know, uh, some people uh, just want to be in that place where there is blessing and miracles taking place. And let's be honest, we like it when things go smooth. We like it when everything falls into place. We're in heaven when our stomach is full. We're, 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 we like it when our relationships are in sync and we don't have a care in the world. And I'm sure this is exactly what Jesus' disciples were feeling. They didn't have a care in the world. They were hanging out with Jesus. They were meandering through the crowd. They were the ones that everybody saw hanging with Jesus. They were recognizable. If many of the people that, the thousands of people there, they probably said, hey, you know what? There's Peter and John walking along with Jesus. And you know what? Even as Peter and John heard that in the crowd, they might have got a little puffed up and got a little attitude like, yeah, you know what? It's us. And it's important to know that um, Every time that Jesus drew a crowd, there was an inner circle there. They had the best seats, but at the same time, there's a different perspective that Jesus was looking at life with. You know, as Jesus says, hey, get me out of here. Get me to the other side of the lake. Jesus was looking for rest because he was tired. The disciples in their mind are going on a lake cruise with Jesus, you see the opposites that are taking place here? They're thinking, man, that's going to be great. We're going to get in the boat, and we're going to be going across in the boat. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, they might have gotten in the boat and started doing the wave at people. Jesus is already asleep in the boat as the boat is pulling away, but they are basking in the spotlight. There's an interesting contrast here. Because we check out Jesus, even as Jesus is gaining more and more popularity, even as he's coming into his ministry, and there are more and more miracles that are taking place as he speaks, as he shares, as he reaches out and touches people, as they're healed, as they're delivered, as they're transformed by God's Spirit. Uh, there's a, a, a crowds gathering around him, and his popularity is going through the roof. But he's exhausted. See, Jesus, and we never need to lose uh, focus on the fact that Jesus was not only 100% God, but Jesus was also 100% man. He is, was 100% man so that he could relate to each and every one of us. Those things that you're battling with today, those dreams that you have that are very positive, those things that you're rejoicing about, those things that you're in the dumps about, wherever you are in this wide spectrum this morning, Jesus has experienced everything that we've experienced because he loves us so much. That was part of the reason, in fact, it was the biggest part of the reason why God sent Jesus to be become man is so that he could empathize and identify with us and go through all the things that we go through so that he could be able to minister to us effectively when we did ministry. Jesus' response of get me out of here wasn't that he didn't care about the crowds, but he realized his limits because Jesus didn't come to be popular. His dream was to come and save and change the world. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 19 through 22 speaks here as they left, a religion scholar asked if he could go along. The man said, I'll go with you wherever. And Jesus was, curt, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best inns, you know. And another follower said, Master, excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have my father's funeral to take care of. But Jesus told him, follow me now, let the spiritually dead bury their dead. See, Jesus wasn't being rude in this portion of Scripture as we see his response. He he, he wasn't lacking compassion. He was just shooting straight. Life as a follower of Christ is tough at times. I'm waiting for some response. If you guys, you know what? We've all realized tough times. I grew up in the church. My dad was uh, a minister all my life. And I've heard many people get up the, on the platform behind the pulpit and preach that if you step into relationship with Christ, all of your troubles are gone. Life is smooth, smooth sailing. Man, God just changes you, and man, everything is great. You don't have a care in the world. I don't know what Bible they're reading. You know, my Bible, in fact, I believe it's in John sixteen thirty three. says, As surely as sparks fly upward, so man is born to trouble. And I tell you what, I've had a lot of sparks in my life. How about you guys? I've had a lot of that trouble rising up. And really, as we look at what is taking place here, and uh, as as Jesus is shooting straight, this religious leader that came up to him first was uh, was really in that enamored with Jesus. He was he's enraptured with the fact that here is a guy that obviously is the mouthpiece of God. There's miracles that are taking place out of his life, there's a life change that is taking place, and look at all the people that are following him, and I got a sneaky feeling as I was looking, looking at the scripture this past week, that just as the boat was pulling out is when this man approached Jesus, because he wanted to go on the lake cruise too, he wanted to be on the boat, he wanted, uh, as a religious scholar, you wonder about his, uh, his reasoning at that very point of deciding to follow Jesus. But Jesus was very, very clear. He says, are you ready to rough it? The scriptures say that Jesus had no place to lay his head. He wasn't going to a hotel at night. He was out laying with his disciples. They were dirty and uh, uh, probably needing a bath at times because it wasn't convenient. A lot of the things that we think about with Jesus of being squeaky clean, you know what? He battled with the same things that we do. And at the same time, the, the people that were around him, all they saw was his popularity. All they saw was the miracles, but they didn't recognize the fact that it was rough for Jesus as well. And in the same way, the man that approached Jesus and says, "Hey, let me go and bury my father," Jesus again wasn't being curt or rude with him. He was just saying, "Hey, whatever is your priority, you need to follow along with that. But my priority is doing the." things of God see we have to realize that Jesus had just come from the Sermon on the Mount and one of the scriptures that we have which is a phrase that he used there was found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 and it says there in Matthew six thirty-three: seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything you need we like that last phrase in fact, many people have taken that last phrase and put in God will give you everything you want. But that isn't what this portion of Scripture says. Really, uh, I, as I was growing up, I always thought, well, we seek the kingdom of God above all else. Well, of course, that's about going to heaven. You know what? We need to seek after going to heaven. And so, man, that's, I grew up in a, in a, uh, the church. In fact, my dad was associate pastor of Phoenix First Assembly as I was growing up. And, uh, uh, man, tell you what, I was praying eight to ten times a day as a second and third grader that God would forgive me of my sin because I didn't want to go to hell. In fact, I was having dreams, and I remember specifically one night that I dreamt that the New Jerusalem was coming out of heaven, and people were being raptured and going up in the air. And I was, <laughs> I was trying, but it wasn't happening. I, that was—I woke up in terrors and sweating because I wasn't going to heaven. But it's important for us to know that this scripture is not talking about going to heaven. The kingdom of God is relationship with Father God is a relationship that only takes place when we accept Jesus as our own personal savior and allow him to forgive us and change us from the inside out. When all of that begins to change, then we really experience the kingdom of God being birthed in our heart and flowing out of our lives as as we seek after that realm of salvation, as we seek after that realm of relationship with God. So Jesus basically says, hey, First of all, seek a relationship with me. And secondly, he goes on and says, "And live righteously." You know what? Not a whole lot of people today talking about righteousness. We look in a world, and in fact, it, you don't have to look very far. Uh, the way people drive, the way they talk when you're in Walmart, uh, the way that you turn on the television show and the things that are normal that are coming across on our screens on a regular basis and it's like, what happened? What happened to this world anyway? This whole living righteously is about once we're in relationship with God, then it is listening to God and allowing him to give us the direction of what we should do and we shouldn't do. How many of you remember black and white televisions? Oh, I got friends here, thank you Jesus. I remember years ago watching black and white cartoons and uh, there was a cartoon that was there and a guy was trying to make a decision and all of a sudden a little angel would appear on one shoulder and a little devil on the other. You remember that one? And the devil go, go ahead and do it. It'll be fine. And the angel says, no, no, no. You don't need to be doing that. Yeah, it'll be good. And just the banter that was going back and forth. You know, the apostle Paul talked about that in the book of Romans. And he said, the very thing that I want to do, I don't end up doing. And the thing that I don't want to do, I end up doing all the time. And follows that with, oh, wretched man that I am. Really, righteous living is listening to the Holy Spirit and being obedient to his voice. Because the truth is, every one of us in this room, and those of you that are watching online, come to forks in the road on a daily basis. Sometimes there's multiple forks that we run into on a daily basis. And there's one way that we know we shouldn't be going down. There's one thing that we know we shouldn't be saying, or we shouldn't be thinking, or we shouldn't be partaking of, and there's another way that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us that says, go this way, go, there is life this way, go this way. And really, I wish I could say that everybody, including myself, always go down the Holy Spirit's way, but we don't, for I'd have a show of hands this morning, there's Pretty much all of us that are here, we not only battle that on a daily basis, but we fail many times on a daily basis. But it's important to know that even as the scripture says, when we seek the kingdom of God and we live righteously or we do the things that God wants us to do, then it said, God will give you everything that you need. And I believe that giving everything that we need includes giving us the dream that the Holy Spirit has implanted in our hearts that says, this is where I want you to go. This is how I want you to live. This is the fruit that I want to have out of your life. I know that the way God works and the Holy Spirit works, that there are those of you in this congregation this morning that God has spoken very, very clearly to. It might have been last year. It might have been 30 years ago. But God had given you very, very clear direction and a glimpse of what God's dream was for your life. And it's important for us to know that if we're gonna live in God's blessing, that we gotta go according to the formula for God helping us to live the dream. We got to seek first the kingdom of God. We got to live righteously. And then all of these things will be added to us. It's a simple formula, but it's one that we need to wrap our heads around and we need to roll with on a regular basis. We go on this morning in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. And it says Then Jesus got in the boat and his disciples with him. And the next thing that they knew, they were in a severe storm and waves were crashing over the boat. I think we've all experienced this about the time that we think we've got the whale by the tail and everything's going our way. Then some big storm comes along and just knocks us sideways. You know what I'm talking about? About the time that we think that, uh, you know, man... Whew, we finally got all the bills paid and the kids aren't sick and the car's running good and we got the utilities down, man, we were able to handle life. And then all of a sudden, out of, out of the peripheral vision, something just slams into us and rocks our world. You know, we look at this lake that the disciples were on, storms were not unusual on this lake. In fact, the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake on earth. And the Rift Valley, which is right next to the Sea of Galilee, there would be storms that would come out of there. And you would, just like the disciples, get in the boat, start to cross over. And about halfway over, you'd be in a storm that was crashing and and maybe even uh, capsizing the boat. And this is exactly not only where the disciples found themselves, but it's where we find ourselves on a regular basis. Because storms do come and things do come after us, and things do stir us up, and give us a a place where we come to that, that the verge of, okay, what decision do we make? Do we go God's way, or do we go the easy way? Do we follow after God, even though the going is rough, or do we go ahead and do the easy way, and do a shortcut? You know, it's real similar in our lives on a regular basis when we find those things happening to go the easy way, to go the way that is, that is simple, to not understand the fact that God is trying to work in the middle of the, some of those storms that are taking place in our lives. In uh, Matthew chapter eight, verse 25 through 27, speaks here and says, waves were crashing into the boat and Jesus was sound asleep. Notice the exclamation mark. Matthew was in the boat. Jesus was sound asleep. They roused him, pleading, Master, save us, we're going down. And Jesus reprimanded them, why are you such cowards? Why are you such faint hearts?" And then Jesus stood up and told the wind to be silent and the sea to quiet down. Silence! And the sea became as smooth as glass. The men rubbed their eyes, astonished, what's going on here? Wind and sea come to heal at his command. Look at the disciples. They are excited and then they're fearful. They're riding the the crest of living the dream in their own mind in one minute and the next minute they feel like they're gonna lose their lives. The interesting thing is, is that they didn't understand who was in the boat with them. They didn't understand that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the controller and God of the universe, was sound asleep because Jesus wasn't worried about the storm. All the disciples saw was the wind and the waves, and they were getting wet, and water was coming in the boat, and if all that was happening, that meant that Jesus was sound asleep laying in the bottom of the boat, and he was wet too, but there's obviously a wide contrast in the responses to the storm. It's important for us to learn the lesson here. The lesson is we don't learn much from living our own dream. We don't learn much when everything is going our way. We don't learn much when we are are sitting and dreaming up all the things about what life could be like and, man, the the perfect place and the perfect way to live. We don't learn much in that. But in the middle of storms, there is growth and progress that takes place. We're in verse 27, the disciples rubbing their eyes. I think that there was a physical and a spiritual awakening that was taking place. It wasn't just rubbing their eyes to rub the salt water out of their eyes and to see what Jesus was doing and see Jesus do a miracle. But I believe there was a dawning inside of their hearts and spirits that says, whoa, who is this guy? Who is he? He is the son of God. There is something powerful that has even taken place here. Though you see here, it says, uh, wind and sea come to heal at his command. They're recognizing that there's something different about Jesus. The disciples needed to experience the power of Jesus and understand who he was. And really what needed to take place, the disciples needed a new dream. It's the same thing that we experience today. Many times we look at those hard things and man, the first thing that we want to do is get out of that hard area. We feel a storm coming in and something really stirring up and it's inconvenient and it makes us feel bad on the inside and and out of kilter. But we need to understand that God always works through the storms. My first lead pastor at Back in, the, back in the 80s, I had a, a little lady. Her name was Opal. She was in her mid-80s. Uh, she always wore a dress, tennis shoes, and tube socks. And one Sunday night, she comes after me after the service. And a little squeaky voice from Oklahoma, she goes, Pastor Cal, if the devil ain't on your tail, you're on the wrong trail. And you know what? I've learned learned to use that as my litmus test. When things are going too smooth, I probably am not growing because I'm not having to go through hard times. And really, we need to look at our own lives this morning and each and every one of you individual lives and ask yourself, what are you pursuing today? Are you pursuing your dream Are you pursuing the life that Jesus wants to give you? Check out this scripture here. Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, first things first, your business is life and not death. Follow me, pursue life. Follow Jesus and pursue life. He doesn't say, escape the storms and pursue life. He doesn't say, follow your own dream and have everything fall into order and pursue life. He said, follow him, follow Jesus, and pursue life. And if anything, that's what God is speaking to our hearts today. As I was praying on the way up here this morning and uh, believing God for the service and to speak to hearts, I wasn't just praying for life change, but I was praying that the Holy Spirit would tap each of you on the shoulder and open up your spiritual eyes the same way that disciples had that awareness and that perspective happen. To what kind of dream are you chasing today? Are you chasing the dream that God has placed inside of you? Or are you you pursuing your own dream that doesn't lead to life? I think that if Jesus was standing here on this stage today, that he would say the same thing to each of us, pursue life. What about you today? There might be those of you here this morning that have never stepped into a relationship with Christ. The great thing is, is that God is always ready to meet us where we are. He's always ready. You can't get too far from God for God not to reach in past all of those things and all of that gunk of sin and change your life. Some of you are here this morning and maybe you've been thinking about living the dream and you're thinking, man, I've been pursuing my own dream. I haven't been pursuing life. I've just been trying to get myself comfortable here on earth. True life means that even in the middle of the storms, we have life because we have a relationship with God. And God has promised that he would never leave us or forsake us, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how bad life begins to look, God has promised that he would still be there. For some of you here today, you need to pursue life instead of your own dream. You need to experience what God has in store for you. And then as I mentioned earlier Some of you, God has called you into areas of ministry and called you to do things that you've set on the shelf and you think those things are way far gone. You know what? God doesn't change his mind. And I believe that those things that God's called you to are still relevant for where you are today. I believe that that calling that God gives you is something that God is speaking to you about and stirring in your heart, even now, as uh, at the end of this message. And I believe it's for a purpose. The purpose is for you to experience the life that God has always called you to. For prayer teams who come up if our keyboardist could come as well. I'm gonna pray a prayer right now. And as I pray this prayer, I'd like for you, if you need a relationship with Christ this morning, either for the first time or the gajillionth time, or maybe you're at a place in your life where you realize there's a calling that God's placed in your life and you need to get back on track. As I pray this prayer this morning and you pray it silently, I believe that God will answer you and God will do a work inside of your life today. That sound good? Let's all bow our heads. Repeat after me silently if you would. Dear God, I thank you that you love me today. I thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, into the world to die for me so that I don't have to be held captive in my sin in my life anymore. Right now, God, I make an intentional decision to make you Lord of my life. Take my sin, my failures, my mistakes and clean me from the inside out and make me brand new. God, I want to be like you. I want to listen to your voice. I set aside my dream, and I open up my life and my heart to your plan today. Change me, recreate me, make me new, in Jesus' name. Everybody can just keep your head bowed if you would just for a moment. If you're here this morning, you've never stepped into a relationship with Christ, but God has been speaking to you today saying you need a relationship with me. I want you to do something very simple. I want you to just look up all across this auditorium and catch my eye. And as you do that, it says, Pastor Cal, pray for me. I need Jesus today. How many would look up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How many others today? First time. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Yes. How many others? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wonder how many of you are here this morning by the same sign would say, you know what? I have been living my dream and struggling with that for so many years. I feel God speaking to me today that it's time to pursue real life. It's time to pursue God's will and plan for me. It's time to experience the fullness of God. How many same sign would look up and say, Pastor Cal, pray for me. yes. People looking up all over the auditorium. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. How many others? Thank you, yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, yes. One of the things that we're praying for this morning is those of you that have a call of God on your life, and you've been dodging that. And it's trying to stay away from that because it's uncomfortable to think about what might happen if you really opened up and did what God's called you to do. If that's you here this morning, same sign. Pastor Cal, pray for me. Just look up and catch my eye. Thank you. Yes, man, thanks. Thank you. Yes. Obeying God's call. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. How many others? Wow. God is working on our hearts this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right, thanks. Yes. Yes, yes. God, I thank you for each of these that have looked up this morning because I know that it's more than the physical action, but it's a response from their hearts. And God, I pray with your Holy Spirit, those of those that have, have responded here in this room and those that have even responded as you've spoken their hearts online Father that you now will seal the deal with them Father that you'll move into that place of their spirit and Father that you'll confirm the decisions and the choices that they've made today for your glory and for your honor. Thank you Father for your faithfulness thank you for your great love for us thank you that we can be here in your house today. Father, I pray, Lord, for each and every person that as they would go their separate ways, I pray that we'll go with your spirit. I pray that we'll go with your word. I pray, Father, that you'll continue to speak unto our hearts. I pray for our pastor and his wife today, Father, that you will give them the refreshing that they need. And as they're back next Sunday, I pray, Father, that there'll be a fresh word that will be there inside of Pastor Dave, that, Father, you'll be able to share and take this congregation to the next step of where you want them to be. Thank you for your faithfulness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hang around the front. If you'd like to connect with me or let me pray personally for you, I'd love to do that this morning, but God bless you. You have a great week. Go with God. Okay.